Minds and Bites podcast is the perfect wrestling podcast. There's a guy named Hal and there's Danielle and this guy We're a wrestling podcast. Tights and fights. We're a wrestling podcast. Welcome to Tights and Fights, the show that discusses wrestling with the sincerity and hilarity that it deserves. I'm good God, how mighty Lublin. And I'm joined today by my fellow members of the Nation of Conversation, the bus and hug connection, Danielle Radford. That's kind of a swipe. Uh, wow. It's a hard wow. swipe. Hard swipe. I, I didn't get to hug the bus, Julian. It tried. <laughs> um, but it was it's a very aggressive hugger, and, and now I don't have a spine. Yeah. Thanks for bringing that up, Julian. God, Julian. While you're doing your curls and thinking of names. I know. Ooh, my name is Julian. I get jacked every day. We also have the United Kelkdom champion, Lindsay Kelk. I will take that title. There it is. Kelk is back. I'm going to call my brother right now. Like, I have news. (laughs) I have news for you. Can't wait for that main event. (laughs) Uh, We have a special guest as well. He's a comedian, actor, and host of the Chris Gethard Show. It's Chris Gethard all day and night. Sorry, I fucked that up. It's Chris Gethard all day and night. Get Sorry, Chris, hard. and thank get you hard. so much for joining us today. We got it. Thanks for having me. Was that a get hard joke? It was actually a reference to the revival. You know, go hard all day and all night. Okay, that's more excusable then. That's more excusable. That's on so many levels. <laughs> we get hard all day, all night. All right, there I'm it is. In. I see. I didn't. Uh, <laughs> nobody told me that one. I saw it in quotes too. Uh, thank you so much for joining us, Chris. You're a wrestling fan of older school wrestling. Tell us a little bit about what you grew up with and and sort of where your sweet spot is. Well, I grew up in New Jersey, so you know, the Northeast, we were always on the New York cable system. So Mm. from when I was very young, we had the WWF and I was born in 1980. So I actually remember that the first album I ever owned was the wrestling album. Volume one or two? The the original, the one where Mean Gene sings Tutti Frutti, (laughs) Volkov sings Caramia, I'm talking about Grab Them Cakes by JYD. I was five or six years old when it came out. So that, that lets you know a lot about the exact moment that I latched onto wrestling, you know, the rock and wrestling connection, the cartoon. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but, but, you know, I think my, my palate actually became a little more advanced because when I was in fourth grade, uh, my brother and I were wrestling on our front lawn and he wound up breaking my collarbone. Oh, jeez. Oh. They and told fa- you not to try this at home, Chris. Exactly, exactly. And my, my father wound up banning us from watching wrestling. He flipped out and said, you're not allowed to watch wrestling. But he only knew about the WWF schedule. So he knew like Saturday and Sunday at noon. And I got to keep my eye out that there's no Saturday night main event. But he didn't know about 6.05 p.m. on the TBS Superstation. So we started watching <laughs> the NWA before it was WCW, back when it was still kind of the last gasp of the Southern Territories. So... Mm-hmm. That's who else I grew up with, you know, the Four Horsemen and the Great Muda, who remains a favorite of mine. And uh, then, of course, being in the Northeast in the '90s, I was—I used to go watch ECW when they came through Asbury Park, and uh, that was kind of the golden age for me. Wow, that is a great cross section of wrestling in general, sort of how it evolves from the '80s uh, through into the '90s. That is great. We're actually going to start with some news from uh, the old school wrestling. One of the biggest stars of the Territory Days, former WWF World Intercontinental and Tag Champion Pedro Morales has passed away. Uh, Mm. One of the most popular wrestlers of his time, especially in Puerto Rico. Mm -hmm. Do you have any memories of him, Chris? Because I think around the time you and I have a similar sort of timeline, and he would have been... We were a little bit past his prime. Do you have any memories of him at all? I remember that when I started reading up on the history a little bit and realizing that he was as big a deal as he was, I remember being surprised because I remembered him as being like a mid-card guy on his way out when I was yeah. a kid. He really represents to me that old-school New York territory thing of just mm. exploit the fact that this is a very ethnically diverse area. We need a Puerto Rican champion. Let's do it. Bruno San Martino, he, he'll get everybody in Little Italy to buy a ticket. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. I, I like the old uh, territory style of who are the big ethnic groups. Let's sell them tickets by pushing a, a champion very hard from that ethnic group. I think there is something sort of like inappropriate by modern standards, but that in the 60s and 70s was kind of like, oh, right, that was New York. It was an immigrant city with different pockets of working class people. And I 
think he represents that in such a beautiful way. And also, I mean, you know, just like, yeah, man, I'll buy your shit if you show me more black chicks. Like, it's, <laughs> it is proven. If you give black chicks things, we will, I mean, we've always supported the product. But, like, I would say there is a whole section of wrestle Twitter that is just thirsty black lady wrestle Twitter. And it's, like, the best. And it's because, like, they're giving us people who look like us. Mm-hmm. It helps. 100%. I remember Pedro, most of the Pedro Morales wrestling I saw were on those old Coliseum when they started putting out the Coliseum best of tapes yeah. and you get older intercontinental mm. matches when a little when he was sort of exiting his prime. But uh, yeah, we R.I.P. Pedro gone too soon. Well, I, I don't mean, know how old he was. He Maybe was he had a full life. And I think I, that's, that's the main thing. I was like, oh, that's sure. a good age for a wrestler. What? Which just, sounds yeah. terrible. <laughs> Dude, for, that's like yeah. 150 yeah. in wrestler years. I was years. really pleased. When, I know, that sounds terrible. I was not pleased to see someone have passed away. That made me sad. But when I saw he was 76, I was like, you go, Pedro. That's good. That's a life well good lived. Work. Yeah. That yeah. is a well-lived life. What is your secret? We'll never know. <laughs> Let's talk about wrestling today. You are, uh, as I understand it, a fan of NXT. You watch that more than the main roster. Is that correct? I do. I'm, uh, it's, you know, I, I probably shouldn't admit this since I've made a lot of my living on cable TV, but I am a cord cutter <laughs> in the modern sense. I've actually never seen an episode of my own television show on television. Uh, now that the show has been canceled, I can say that. I do not, I've, I've never paid for True TV. They have only paid me. I've never given them any of that money back. Then you won. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I find it very hard to keep up with Raw and SmackDown. And, you know, I think I also fall into that sort of curmudgeonly opinion that there's just a little too much of it. And as someone who did grow up kind of, you know, loving the tail end of the territory days, you know, being able to catch some of the other promotions that weren't, you know, ESPN carried Global and AWA and Mm -hmm. on the UHF channels, you could still catch some of the Southern stuff when I was a kid. I think NXT is just such a throwback to that of just a small studio show and an arena. I think the storylines are great. I think that Ricochet is great. I think that the the heel face uh, Gargano Champa stuff is like such a good proof that that stuff can still work. Just a basic bad guy, good guy. So I really love it. And I I actually just went to a live TV taping of theirs in uh, down in Orlando when I was visiting my parents around the holidays. And it was just so fun. It was a really good time. Yeah, we got to go to a takeover here in L.A., and it was my first live NXT event. It was really, really fantastic. Just yeah. a really good energy around around that brand. Yeah, and, like, not the, you know, even... Because, like, as much as I love Lucha Underground and I love Lucha Underground, like, there are at least... Well, what's nice is that with Lucha, you can recognize who the toxic fans are because they're also the ones that are there every week. And it's like, oh, you again? Um, But with NXT, it was really, like... There were a couple of people being jackasses, but those people get shouted down so quickly yep. because the fandom does not tolerate it, and I love that. Yeah, CM Punk guy got shouted down very promptly. <laughs> she says wearing a CM Punk t-shirt right now. The WWE holds a uh, house card the day after Christmas every year. It's a little bit of a tradition in New York, yes. and I, I try to go every year. And they put on, I think it was an eight-man tag of all NXT guys this year, and it was awesome, but it was pretty shocking to just immediately realize around me, oh, none of these people who bought tickets watch NXT. It's still a very niche thing. Mm. And you could feel it in the room that everybody kind of disengaged and was like, this isn't, you know, this isn't Finn. This isn't, uh, this isn't Seth. And by the end of the match, people were flipping out. Mm-hmm. But I was pretty shocked to realize, oh, wow, the mainstream WWE fan, a lot of them aren't watching NXT, and that's a real shame. And you don't know how to explain to them, like, all of the people that you love came from this system. Don't you want to watch, like, the come up? Don't you want to watch that glow up? And go back on the network, watch the, like, watch, you love Sami Zayn, go watch him in a 20-minute long match. Go watch him versus Shinsuke. Watch him and Kevin Owens get a solid 15 minutes. It's like, so good, so good. It is sort of, like, the best form of a lot of the people who are on the main roster today. And it is, I agree with you, it's crazy to me to think of these people who are hardcore WWE fans that aren't aware that the that the, really the best product they have is on their network. They're yeah. probably the same people who are like, on I'm not, I, and I and just Hulu, see it on Hulu. TV. Also on Hulu, yeah, you can you see can it, and I think it, uh, a lot of people yeah. don't, rec- don't realize that Mm-mm. NXT and all of the takeovers are available on Hulu, and I believe you can go back and watch all of the old ones. I don't know if they have I a... I think so. I think they're yeah, all there. I think they're yeah. all there, so please go yeah. watch NXT if you're not watching it. It is available, and it is so good. That was going to be my question, actually. Um, Chris, I was just wondering, because you're such an NXT guy, and not really watching the main product, how does it feel when you lose one 
of your guys for the main product? Does, does that make you want to watch the main product more or do you just bid them adieu and move on? Yeah, I just bid them adieu kind of like, you know, it, it's funny. Cause I'm 38 and I have a career and I'm busy and I have a wife and we're expecting a kid. Like the sad thing is like I just don't have time for much wrestling and I, I'm not going to give – Raw or SmackDown, you know, is it up to six? Is it three hours each now? Like that's three just, on Raw, two on SmackDown. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't have that. I don't have five hours in my week. So, but you know, then as an entertainer, as someone who is in the entertainment industry, there is a part of me that just knows, like, oh well, they're about to go make a lot more money, and they're about to have mm, yeah. a better notch on their resume. And I know the comedy equivalent of all those things. So, I'm always happy for them, but I'd just rather watch self-contained stories and matches presented as athletic contests where I don't have to follow it. You know, I hate to say it cause I, I still watch the big pay-per-views. You know, I watch the rumble every year. I watch mania every year, but it's mm-hmm. like, I just really like with NXT that I can turn on a match where they, they're still willing to sometimes just go, Hey, you know what? The best tag team's going to win. Whoever's better at wrestling yeah. wins. And <laughs> I don't have to follow from January through March to understand why the fight's <laughs> happening. The fight's happening because fighting's cool. And if you're good, you win. That's enough of a story. Sometimes it reminds me of like when you get really into a band and you love them and you get to see them in shows and they start doing bigger, bigger venues at a certain point you go like, I'm not going to Coachella. Like, I'm not. It's uncomfortable when any band starts playing stadiums and arenas. It's like, uh, we might be at a point where we have to part because I'm also not 20 anymore. And theaters is like the most that my old body is going to. Stop want... talking about my relationship with the National, Danielle. Leave I, us alone. <laughs> Leave us alone. I didn't, I didn't all, mean to read you. It's also kind of like when, uh, when people get SNL. Like, a lot of times people come up at a at a comedy theater, like an improv theater or in a sketch group, and you're like, yeah, that's perfect. And every once in a while, SNL just grabs a random stand-up where you're like, huh, okay. No one will ever know how good it was to see them in, like, a tiny club with 60 Mm -hmm. seats. And I don't know if them doing sketch comedy shows off, but... Yeah. yeah, go get your health insurance. That's awesome. You know? <laughs> yeah, please make your money, sell your merch, do your thing. But you're right. Like, no one's going to know what it's like to see them at, like, the shutting up my old club, see them at the Comedy Underground in Seattle, where it's like, you know, a 300 seater and the ceilings are low. So the laughs all get trapped in there. And it's like this communal experience. Yeah. We do have a couple things we need to touch on this week news from uh, WWE and beyond. Uh, Charlotte Flair has been entered into the match with Ronda Rousey. Becky serving now a 60-day suspension, supposed to end right after WrestleMania. Somehow I have a feeling that's not going to stand up. Weirdly enough. Uh, (laughs) But they did find a way to put Charlotte in. I know that this is not something anybody wanted. Nothing against Charlotte. She she cut a really great promo on Tuesday night, kind of justifying her place in it and getting ton of heat. And it's going to be a great match no matter what. This was the best way to give us the thing that we didn't want. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, everyone's doing good work. Everyone's doing their best with what we have. And, you know, I'm not even mad at it now. I'm like, now I'm just I'm watching my stories and I'm interested to see how it's going to play out. Do you care that you may not get your one-on-one? No, because Becky I Lynch I match? think we always knew. I, I mean, I just never really expected it to be one-on-one. I really didn't. Sure. Um, we were sure. hoping. We but... were hoping, but we were... It's also WrestleMania, yeah, and they're always like throwing people in at WrestleMania because they want to make sure that everyone's making that check. Yeah, and I guess that's also the thing too of me being like freelancer. I'm like, I can't get mad at someone. Exactly, and it does play into their feud. You know, I mean, this is just the the Becky Charlotte feud of before when Becky's a jury stealing my moment blown up to times a million. So I'm like, you know what? This is the zenith of that. So I'm fine with it. Whether or not Ronda sticks around, we don't know what's going to happen. It is a great way to continue and really heat up mm-hmm. that Becky versus Charlotte. And more Charlotte equals less Ronda. So. Absolutely. Now, Chris, I assume you you were familiarized with Becky when she was in NXT and then Charlotte as well. Did you ever think at that time that Becky was going to become basically the biggest star in wrestling right now? Mm-hmm. No. The answer right? is no. Yeah. I think she. I always thought she was cool, but I didn't see this coming. She always felt like like I, when. I think it was uh, it was uh, whoever was on her. It was Bailey when she was on her way up. Mm. That, it, that 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 she was like the first boss. Beat Becky and then you move yeah. on. Yes, I wonder if it's one of those things where Becky kind of always being underlooked wound up working in her favor. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, because Agreed. now she can really just like switch it up, 
become anyone, come from behind. And the writers and WWE, because I feel like, and I've talked about this, they take for granted the idea that everyone's watching uh, NXT. And like Chris said, no, they're not. But they take for granted that we've already seen these storylines and they don't have to do this character development on the main roster. And it's like, no, you do. People mm-hmm. do not know who these people are. Yeah, 100%. Good news, bad news. Bad news is Mustafa Ali is injured and is out of the Elimination Chamber Boo. match. The good news is that the New Day was selected to replace him. He got a great promo, too, on his phone. Yeah. I please, mm. Mustafa, next time, just know which camera to look at on your phone. Because <laughs> you were either looking at a script or just off into the yeah. corner of your phone. Fo- you are looking at the Flash. I think you were looking at the Flash, buddy. You can do better. Great, great promo, though. Then Kofi Kingston Yay. is the one who came yes. in for a gauntlet match, beats Daniel Bryan. Yeah. Then beats Jeff Hardy. Then beats Samoa Joe. Ugh. It's so good. I don't think any of us thinks he's going to win. But for anybody who ever felt like he deserved a run with the world title, this is proof that you were right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love Kofi. I love yeah. him completely. And just there is no bounds or end to my love for him. Yes. I'm sorry. You have Give to. Give him all the belts. You know, instead of just having like a more relaxing weekend, you're going to have to be the guy who falls off the top of the cage. I'm really <laughs> sorry about that, Kofi. Yeah. But you'll do great. You and thought he do... was throwing pancakes around and just like locking about. And he'll do a couple of great things that are like athletically amazing and everyone will be like, oh, Kofi's amazing. But he's still at the end will not, which is kind of a bummer. Chris, is Kofi a guy you're you're particularly familiar with one way or the other? Yeah. I, I mean, I first came to be aware of him, I think, as many casual lapsed fans are via his uh, Royal Rumble re-entrance bit. Yeah. Yes. That definitely caught the attention as I would check in with the big uh, pay-per-views each year. I will say that the New Day, you know, every every few years there's a wrestler that kind of brings me back, whether that's Punk with the pipe bomb or whether that's Daniel Bryan, and the New Day was that. But I will say that I feel like the New Day are charming, and I get it, and I was charmed for a while, but I just can't watch, I just can't watch all the chanting and trombones anymore. I just can't, I can't do it. I can't do it. It does feel like one of those things where they were doing their own thing and it was great and kind of low-key awesome. And then I don't know if it just became like, hey, you guys have to sell T-shirts now. So this is kind of do some of your own thing. And they obviously have more permission than other people to get away with stuff. But it is always like. Are they carrying a giant salami around? What what did, what exa- what did Xavier have on You can't eat shoulder? pancakes forever. He had like a giant. You have to move on to another food. Protein is important. What looked like a limp salami. I don't want to. I don't know what it was. You know what? Maybe we'll never find out. Some things are better left a mystery. All right. Before we wrap up the first half of the show, as I said, we have some news from outside of WWE to discuss. First, Jay White has won the IWGP World Championship from Hiroshi Tanahashi in about a forty-five minute match. The mm-hmm. majority of which was uh, Tanahashi getting his knee worked over yeah. so he could uh, have the Tanahashi tap out applied to him. Mm. I'm sad that the ace didn't get a longer. I want to see ace go longer with his run. Mm-hmm. I'm sad that Tanahashi isn't going to hold it for longer. And I hate Jay White. Like, I, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I can't even explain why. I just, I'm like, that knife pervert, I hate him. Um, and I can't really even tell you why, but I guess that means he's a good heel because I do hate him. Mm-hmm. And I want to watch him get his face smashed in every week. So I probably will keep watching it regularly until he gets his face smashed in. That's great. Um, yeah, he's, he's doing a great yeah, job. Yeah, he's doing good work. I, I don't know. I, I'm i still on the fence about the whole Kenny leaving thing because I don't really think Kenny has left. I fully expect him to be back, back, back after... Ring of Honor New Japan's Mania Weekend show. I imagine at that point, New Japan won't feel so bad about working with companies other than Ring of Honor. Because Kota's just signed a two-year deal as well, right? And mm. where Kota goes, Kenny will follow. Oh, God, I hope so. Lindsay, of course, is talking about AEW signing Kenny Omega to a deal. He's going to be like the general manager or He's whatever. He's executive vice president. For me, I know that it was all of Kenny Omega's friends. And I didn't think for for a, even a hot second he was going anywhere but there. See, I love to be so worked. So for them to make so a I deal, love work me, baby. I, live that dream. I, I also like being worked. I didn't feel like I was worked at all. I work like my no, never mind. Second, I was worked. <laughs> no, never mind. And I don't, I don't think I'm any, I don't think I'm any smarter than either of you about wrestling or or any less susceptible to being worked. No, but we also like. You know that me and me and Lindsay you want it love, to be worked. We want to be worked. Yeah. It to and be we've worked. talked about this openly. Me and Lindsay want to be worked. Yeah. That's fair. Well, women, we were raised this way. <laughs> we were raised to believe lies 
all the time. Uh, uh, but yeah, I, I'm super excited. I was excited about the roster announcements at AEW as, as well as Kenny and everyone else they announced was super yes, exciting. Uh, uh, some other highlights are Sunny Kiss and Nyla Rose. Yes. Sunny Kiss and Nyla, fuck. Rose. Yes. Sorry, I'm like pounding on. Do you want to give me a quick things. primer? I would uh, call Sunny like a Naomi type. Okay. He's amazing. And then Nyla is the first transgender woman to be signed to a major fucking company. Yay. That's great. This is so exciting. That makes me way more interested in watching AEW than them signing Kenny Omega. And I know that's me personally. That is bigger news but to me. But I think me. that's what's so great. Is they've covered both bases. So if you only sure. care about Mad Uncle in your band Jericho fighting <laughs> Kenny Omega. Yeah. And, Chris isn't listening to this. And the hat. Yeah. Hey, Chris. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah. oh, I no, see that. I'm just quite confused. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's very so. Oh, sorry, Chris. Not you, Chris. Jericho, I'm sorry. I have this joke where I refer to Jericho by his first name as though we're best friends. We are not. I like to think that you are. Chris, do you have any aware, have you been following any of the AEW stuff at all? Any of that news? How far on your radar or off your radar is that? Well, I I read the uh, Squared Circle subreddit and Mm -hmm. they're pretty obsessed with it. Yeah, they are. I think just on a very basic level, competition is clearly a good thing. And I think anybody who... I think there's. I think a lot of the fans like me who came up at my exact age. I think the death of WCW, which WCW was not good. I never really dug it, but clearly it was still better to have competition and to have competing people trying to give you paychecks. That's always good for workers. I will say too that I was excited to hear that Kenny Omega is coming. That makes me want to watch it more because, again, just as someone who sort of catches wind of things and checks back in, I remember hearing when his matches with Okada started getting six stars. And I went back and watched them, mm. and holy shit, they were legit. Yep. Those were good. Those were good matches. So mm-hmm. happy to hear that I might get more of that guy. Excellent. Well, if any of you out there have thoughts on all the things we've discussed so far, let us know about them at facebook.com slash group slash tightsfights and at tightsfights on Twitter and Instagram. When we come back, we're taking a look at one of the biggest rivalries in WWE history. You're listening to Tights and Fights. Greetings, I am Plek Dexsetter, contacting you from the Zick Squadron, which is frankly uh, sort of crappy, but I'm, I'm here on a heroic mission with my trusty crew, C-53. Heroic feels like an exaggeration. Okay, sure. And, and uh, security officer Dar. Plek, don't put me in your stupid recording. Well, and we're all traveling aboard our trusty starship, the Bargerian Jade. Bargy. What? Sorry. I'm awake. I'm awake. I was, it's fine. I was just flying while asleep. Hey there, this is Alden Ford. I play Plek, and we are so excited to announce that our podcast, Mission to Zix, is now part of the Maximum Fun Network. Our third season launches on Max Fun on March 20th. Binge seasons one and two right now. That's Mission to Zix, Z Y X X. Welcome back to Tights and Fights. I'm Hal Lublin. I'm joined today by... Danielle Radford. And... Lindsay Kelk. And... Me? Oh, is that for me? Chris yep. Deathard. <laughs> yeah, Chris Deathard. Here's the fun thing about that. We never tell anyone. There's like never. an order that we go through, and yeah. we never warn anyone in advance. We're not good people. Always a surprise. We got... This is that gotcha journalism that everybody talks about. Wrestling is built on storytelling. Stories can last as little as one day or as long as several years. But there are a few that are a testament to wrestling's narrative ability. We like to take a look at the beats that make up these stories in a segment we call The Beatdown. Hey, yo, white boy. Give him a beat. I can legitimately say I don't think I've ever heard that before. Yeah, this is new. That's Have new I heard drop. that? Is that new? It was mostly new. This part, rem- you hey, might remember. white boy. Give him a beat. And then this is all yeah. new. That's new. Yeah, it's a new There you go. Oh, we need a camera in here. Me and Lindsay are dancing. We're doing some chair dancing. I moved my shoulders. <laughs> Even though the early 90s were a mixed bag for WWF financially, there were two stars that overcame the hardships and defined the era for the company. That's the Heartbreak Kid, Shawn Michaels, and Brett, the Hitman, Heart. So many hearts. Now, before we get into it, you and I, Lindsay, are both huge... Uh, Bret Hart fans, yes. which I just learned. Yes, uh, how how deep that goes, Chris? Where did you fall on the on the Bret versus Sean uh, spectrum? 
Okay. It sounds like there might be some tension about the brew because not only do I vote Sean over Brett. All day. Uh-oh. I might say that respectfully, while I'm intensely respectful of his skills. Give it to it's me. part of me that feels like Brett might be the lowest on the lowest rung on my ladder of people ever asked. To blam, 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 blam. Thank wow. you, Chris. I'm sorry. I recognize Ouch. the talent, but oh my God, he's so boring. Oh, painful, painful, fair, very fair, <laughs> painful. Uh, but, but also really, really painful. Uh, let, let's jump in a little bit deeper. Of course, they both broke into the company as tag stars. Michael's with Marty Jannetty as part of the Rockers. And Hart with his brother-in-law, Jim the Anvil Neidhart, as the Hart Foundation. Rest in peace. Those two teams, who had been, I think, petitioning to wrestle one another, finally got their chance once. And it was so bad that it didn't even make TV. (laughs) But the reason why is the middle rope broke. And that kind of messed everything up. But historically, a car wreck... Oh, that's the worst. Have you ever been at a match where, like, one of the ropes breaks or gets loose all of a sudden? Mm-hmm. And they mm-hmm. have to suddenly stop it while ring crew comes out all freaked out? It is the worst. <laughs> I always feel bad for everyone in that situation. So awkward. So, so intensely awkward. awkward. Uh, Chris, you mentioned AWA being on ESPN. Did you watch the Rockers at all, the Midnight Rockers, when they were in the AWA? Did you did you sort of watch them make their journey into WWF? I saw them a couple times, but I, w- I was a little too young to piece together how everything worked back then. So mm-hmm. the Rockers were pretty fresh to me as far as when they showed up at the WWF. Yeah, I remember reading about them in Pro Wrestling Illustrated, and then all of a sudden they were in WWF. And I was like, this is amazing. They're going to win everything. <laughs> and they didn't. They sure didn't. They did the opposite of that uh, most of the time. But the Hart Foundation had been there. I think WrestleMania two was their first WrestleMania. They were they were like really great heels. I always thought Bret Hart was really interesting. I I think I like Jim the Anvil Nightheart more because he had that big beard. Yeah, he would to just a go, kid ah, he ah, was like very yeah. entertaining to a child. Evil Santa Claus. Yeah, I got it. I got I, it right away. No, and he was he was so charming. He was so and that was something that like as much as I love Tote Steves, it was showing him kind of at the end of his life and like. As we've talked about here, sometimes we joke about it, but wrestling does take a, a cost on your body. Um, but looking at those early clips of like Jim Neidhart, who was that ever a super funny and charming human? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the two the two cross paths infrequently. Nothing substantial really happened until March thirty first of nineteen ninety six, when Shawn Michaels beat Bret Hart at WrestleMania for the WWF Championship in a sixty minute Iron Man match that went into overtime. Chris, do you think? If if Bret Hart in your in your estimation wasn't the right person to carry, maybe or was one of the worst people to carry the company. I'm not. I, I'm putting words in your mouth if I say he wasn't the right person. <laughs> Does that match make you feel any differently about him, or is it just he's a good wrestler but wasn't the right guy to be champion? I want to. I want to like d- d- well, drill down a little bit. I have a few reasons. Okay. First of all, he's on record as saying that the guy whose altar he sort of worshipped at coming up was the Dynamite Kid. Mm-hmm. And uh, now that I'm old enough to, you know, appreciate, you go back and watch those Dynamite Kid versus Tiger Mask matches, and they are amazing. Right. They would be sick matches by today's standards. If you haven't gone back and watched all that old Tiger Mask stuff, it's insane. The, the idea that you see, like, Tiger Mask enter Madison Square Garden in the early 80s when people are literally doing punch, kick, rest hold for four minutes, and then mm. he's doing Tiger Mask stuff is insane. So Brett's not, it's like he's a, he, I don't know if he's as technically good as Dynamite Kid. And then as far as the other people kind of descended from Dynamite Kid's family tree, I think there's other people who maybe did it better and did it more intimidating and didn't have wet hair the whole time, you know? Like I know. Look, look, <laughs> Brett is a human. Brett's a human rest hold, and I've been on record and I've said it a million times. He's the human equivalent of a rest hold. I'm sorry. Like, I know we're not, obviously there are bigger issues to deal with, but just pure wrestling wise, like you look at Benoit, like he was a clone of the Dynamite Kid who also seemed badass and intimidating. Like, Brett was just a dude in tights with shiny sunglasses whose charisma kind of began and ended at Began and ended it, handing the sunglasses to a kid in the crowd, doing the same thing every time. I wanted to be that child so badly, I can't even (laughs) breathe right now. And I actually have a pair of those sunglasses that my brother bought off the internet and gave to me several years later. Lindsay, give me a counterpoint. Um, I mean, it's really hard for me to argue it um, from a technical or with any sort of uh, empirical evidence backup. Because my love of Bret Hart is founded entirely in the basis that I loved him mm-hmm. like I, I started watching I'm the same age as Chris exactly I was born in 1980 um, I came in a little bit later because we didn't get 
wrestling. We didn't get American wrestling in the UK until we got satellite, and we didn't have satellite, and my nan had satellite, and blah, 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 blah. Um, so she would tape it for us, and we would watch it a few days later. Oh, God, um, She was the best. Uh, and we were like way behind the American product because we would have to rent the cassettes for like SummerSlam and, and Mania from the video store, and we mm-hmm. would get those months if not a couple of years after, um, until we caught up because it, it blew up in the UK. And I just remember I was sort of nine, ten, and I don't know why I was ahead of my time as a child, but I saw the Heart Foundation and it was just love. Like, I loved Bret Hart. I loved everything about him coming down to the ring. I'd never seen a man wearing a pink spandex onesie. I do enjoy that. Yeah, that and for whatever reason, I... as a child, I was just like, tell me everything about this man. <laughs> and I loved his music, and I loved his look. I liked his focus. I get the that some people think it's a charisma vacuum. I saw it as stoicism and focus that he was there to do what he was doing and he was there to do it well and he wasn't there to do anything else and I I loved his intensity uh, I, I've now have romantic issues as an older human but you know <laughs> I'm not saying they're related <laughs> like, I just want a man to come and shut up and say nothing you, but you know everybody has to wear a leather jacket with epaulets on yes it. I yes. have two at home in yeah. two sizes and they're the two sizes of men I will entertain <laughs> it's like vertigo put the jacket yes. on yes <laughs> <laughs> I'm much more charming. I'll also say too, and I'm sure we're going to get to the screw job. I yeah. feel like it's the central part of the conversation, but I, I also feel like that's not aging well for Bret Hart because I feel like the older we all get, and the more you know, the more you read up on, on the wrestling business and how it works, he was objectively wrong. We all have shit we don't want to do at work, my dude. <laughs> you yeah. know you I mean? gotta do it. Yeah, I mean, you we'll get to that. It. I feel like because we, I think we could talk about the screw job all day, right? Yeah, but, for sure. I have thoughts have on thoughts. that that I think uh, I kind of agree with everybody, but we'll, we'll get to that in a second. Let's go through the timeline a little bit more. The plan after that Iron Man match was for Michaels to drop the title back to Brett in a rematch, but in February of '97, Michaels was told by his doctors that a knee injury he had at the time was career-ending, and he cut his infamous Lost My Smile promo to drop the title without ever losing to Brett. Here's I a clip. I know that over uh, the last several months, I've lost a lot of things, and one of them has been my smile. And, and I know it doesn't mean a whole lot to everybody else, but it means a lot to me. So I have to go back. I love him, but I hate this. And fix I myself. and take care of myself. And I have to go back and I have to find my smile because somewhere along the oh, line, <laughs> I lost it. And I don't care, really. I just, I feel like there's a way to talk about, I don't know, man. Like, I, on the one hand, it's like, yes, I encourage men to talk about mental health. But on the other hand, that wasn't what the fuck he was doing. No. Right? He yeah. was weaseling out. That was weaseling. That was grade A weasel behavior. I, Only I, better seen on weasels even though i don't have the clip of it i still love like my favorite bret hart promo with it i saw years later was when he goes like why don't you go take your little pussy foot and go find your smile and he just like went off on him when sean was just sitting there and just like like just smiling the whole time that was my favorite angry bret hart was so much fun like you know bad angry acting that was bret hart when he got angry in promos <laughs> yeah <laughs> i also love that Shawn michael sounds like cookie monster's brother who they were able to send to college <laughs> Uh, Aww, so, he does eat cookies now. Yeah. He's also in the Marine. That's right. Uh, March of the same year, Bret Hart snaps, and one week before Mania, when he defended the WWE title to Stone Cold Steve Austin at Mania 13, he shoved Vince McMahon in the middle of a commercial break, cussed him out. Uh, 97 continues with the two of them making a lot of verbal jabs at each other, with Michaels making fun of Bret's affair with Sonny, and Bret mocking Sean for posing for Playgirl magazine, all culminating and a match for the WWF title November 9th at Survivor Series in Montreal. Uh, let's play a clip of that, and then let then we'll really get into it. <laughs> look, at, look at this! This was on my birthday, by the way. Oh, no way! Same day Chris Jericho was born. It never gets old. Okay, so let's be clear about what happened here. Apparently, Brett was not supposed to drop the title in Montreal. Uh, he, he was offering to drop it the next night. 
So he already said he, he he, which is already a weird. If this sounds like Brett's version of the story, because already he should have dropped it. This is like you don't get to decide yeah. when you drop. He's like, the I title, can't drop dude. it here. It's um, too popular. Um, but Vince worried but that Brett would. You... Vince was worried that Brett would take the title and leave for WCW, which had happened before. That we were still fresh off of Medusa throwing it in the trash, dropping yeah. the women's title in the garbage. So when the time came for Sean to put Brett in the sharpshooter, Vince ended the match. And awarded Sean the title without Brett tapping. Let's not pretend that Sean wasn't in on it. Let's not yeah. pretend that Earl Hebner wasn't in on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That there weren't a ton of people who knew what was happening there. Sean's a great actor, <clears throat> and he greatly acted like he didn't know what was happening. Yeah. yeah. I will say, and this is a, I think, Chris, you made this point, that like Brett, Brett hasn't come off looking the best over time. I think, I think the two of them had sort of opposite t- trajectories, where Brett was the golden boy who towed the company line and did the right thing. And then has slowly become more and more, or is it's been revealed how self-obsessed he is well, and, and how also, much he thinks he's great. I think maybe it's one of those things when you do tow the company line, you expect the company to tow it back for you. And it's mm-hmm. like, that's just never been the way that's, the WWE That's ridiculous. Works. But also like this idea of, of him being like a kingmaker and how great he is and the greatest that was ever in the ring. Mm-hmm. Like, calm down, Brad. Sean, in the meantime, started as a, as a jag-off um, but also dealing with a lot of demons and has since chilled out and become the person that you kind of wish he was during this time off camera because mm-hmm. you think about what he what he could have achieved yeah. uh, See, this is the thing. I think stuff. you've got to take into account there are so many factors here that aren't on screen. And when you listen to interviews, and it's my favorite podcast, whenever I hear a podcast or any interviews with any of the guys that were involved in this, whether it's Taker yes. when he was in the back or I think Shane talked about it on the... Uh, was it on the with Mick Foley or with Stone Cold? He talked about mm-hmm. it when WWE did those things, and Brett's talked about it at length on podcast too. Yeah. And there was so much bad blood between these two men. Like they, it wasn't just Brett and the company and how Brett believed he should have been treated. It was also between the two of them. They were both very disrespectful to each other and without wanting to play favorites, because I do love Sean. But when you listen to multiple sides, it is always like Sean was being a baby and refused to get in the ring with Brett and do what he was supposed to do at the time. Mm. So then Brett refused it. And then it just went back and forth and back and forth until it's both of them so no one's being, being the babies. Ad- yeah, no one's being the adult yeah. in the room. Yeah. So no finally adult. Vince and God had Vince to be the adult isn't in the an room. adult. Vince is a nope. bitch in the room. Vince is <laughs> always like, well, this, you're leaving and this guy's staying. So, which I totally understand. Because at a certain point, someone has to make yeah. the decision and pull the trigger. My concern was, was it Brett the best expected thing? No. fairness to come into this, and he does not work in an industry that runs on fairness. Yeah. No, no, buddy. Chris, when the screw job happened, as somebody who was a fan of Shawn Michaels and not particularly a fan of Bret Hart, were you glad to see him go? I mean, do you do you remember your reaction? Were you watching sort of Oh, live? yeah. I was watching week to week. We, I think everyone I knew who watched wrestling found it to be the most fascinating thing in the world. It clearly, I mean, it's it's a point that's been made a million times. It clearly was the best thing that ever happened to the wrestling industry as far as making it like fascinating and mm. and breaking the kayfabe side of it. And mm-hmm. um, to go back to the previous point, like I think I think everybody's right in deciding that they kind of were both being babies, and I think that's where Sean edges it out because I don't think he ever pretended to not be a coked out dickhead. You know what I mean? Like he, when he was a face yep. and when he was a heel, I don't think he ever had, he never tried to convince us he wasn't just like snorting coke and being bad to women. Like that's what he was a jerk. Like, what a champ. Always. And, but yeah, I mean, when it happened and when the documentary came out, it was, it was pretty, it was really gripping. It was really gripping. And I, I remember distinctly my friends and I, cause I was in, I think I was in college when it happened and, me and my college friends would always get together and, and watch and kind of do your flip back and forth between Raw and Nitro and see which one can hold our attention longer. And mm-hmm. when Brett was going to show up there, we were all super, super fascinated by it. And then the way that he was handled over there and the way in his career went, I think kind of was the canary in the coal mine for how the Monday Night Wars were going to end. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That I and mean, the whole thing was an inflection point for, for wrestling for sure. And then Bret Hart going to WCW pretty much ended his career – if it hadn't been the the storylines doing it, certainly Goldberg's kick to his head. That will do it. Finish yeah. the job. That'll that'll take care oh, of it. Geez. A good concussion. Yeah. Um, but they they both have found their way back to the company, and after years of not talking, Brett and Sean finally reconciled to the only place where wrestlers can express emotion, in the middle of a ring in front of an audience. <laughs> Here's a clip. I had a great career. You've had a great career. We both accomplished so many things. 
I think it's a good, as good a time as any right here and now for you and me to take this opportunity in front of all <laughs> no these fans right it. here in Dayton <laughs> and all around the world. To look each other in the eye and take this moment and say that we could be friends. So I offer my hand to you in friendship. Right here in front of everybody, right from the heart, right from the bottom of my heart. I call for a truce <laughs> and I call for you to shake my hand. And if you want to bury the hatchet, let's bury it right now. Sean Savior says he has to accept. What a weird. I remember this. It's so weird. It's yeah, it weird. really weird. And then they had that match uh, that I'm sure you also saw, Chris, where Bret Hart just beat the shit out of Vince McMahon for 20, yeah. like, <clears throat> with the it was just like, around, mm-hmm. with the uh, Hart family all around the Yeah, yeah, yeah. Room. It was like, yeah. like a therapist where you're like, act it out with puppets, but he did it with him and Vince McMahon. <laughs> with their bodies. No nerf yeah. bats, no anything, just I also like, went pure... to uh, Bret Hart Appreciation Night at Madison Square Garden. <laughs> did you, is that where you yes. got your glasses? <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> they were vintage. Uh, no, I'd, I'd only been living in New York a little while, I can't remember. Um, but you already hearted it, right? Yes, I'd already hearted it. It was like, it'd been hearted, so to maintain my brand, I went to Bret Hart Appreciation Night uh, and I think it was the first show I ever went to at Madison Square Garden and I cannot begin to tell you the tears of joy that were shed that night and then he put Heath Slater in a sharpshooter and it was the happiest I've ever been but it, it was such a weird time that whole like suddenly we love Bret again it was like family love lamp it was you know it was yeah. just like we love you welcome back and he was like I will take the money thank you I do kind of feel that like, that's how it is with wrestling fans with anyone is like we'll always give you like We'll give you two weeks of us loving you when you come back or do whatever. But if you overstay your two weeks, we're real real bored, Jeff Jarrett. Yeah. <laughs> well, even with Sean, I feel like when they've had Sean on the panels recently and on commentary for NXT, already, the, the internet, uh, but Twitter's kind of like, you're Sean, you suck at panels, you suck at, suck at commentary. It's like two minutes ago, you were all in love with him and so excited to have him back at NXT. And now you're like, don't let him do commentary again, he sucks. Fickle. We're so fickle, yeah. Fickle. 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 Does anyone else think it's sad that that clip took place in Dayton? <laughs> Not anyone that threw from me Dayton. for a loop on the listen back of like of it's supposed to be this people. iconic moment in wrestling history, Dayton. and Brett has to go. We're gonna shake hands here for all these people in Dayton and across the world. I do feel like he was shading Dayton. I <laughs> do to, feel like he was. They need to plan all their major events, and I'm here in Sheboygan to tell you I'm pregnant, <laughs> <laughs> and the whole world. Which, of course, is based out of Sheboygan. Well, uh, the there is probably a little bit of a reason why they decided to do it there. And it wasn't because, you know, Vince McMahon loves Dayton. It was because WWE had to plan this because they wanted to have this happen the same day that Hogan showed up in TNA for the first time and the first day that TNA moved to Monday nights because they felt like they needed something like ratings mm, pop just to cool. really crush Dixie mm-hmm. and really make them feel like they had no chance at ever doing anything against If it's anti Hogan, then I, I'm on board. So, so Dayton, Dayton won. Yeah. <laughs> like the base Congratulations, that's what, that's what got hit with the dart. Sometimes history finds you, okay? <laughs> yeah, uh, so b- before we wrap up, I, Michaels had, had much more of a career after the screw job, even though... He got hurt after WrestleMania 98. He came back four years later and then did another, what, six years with the company, 2002 to 2008? Yeah. Um, still working at a high level. He was back recently at the show uh, whose name is not spoken aloud. Uh, Chris, what do you think the legacy – obviously, they're always going to be compared to one another. What do you think the legacies of Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels will be individually? Individually, uh, I think they both have – Strong legacies. I think looking back on, I think you know, it. Bret Hart's charisma affects his legacy. Shawn Michaels reeking so hard of the '80s and '90s, me makes his rewatchability a little tough. I think that's going to affect his legacy. But I do think that collectively, they will be looked at as the two people that allowed wrestling to survive. Mm in an era that, you know, was the post-Hogan, pre-Austin Valley, and that's not a small thing at all. What is your can't-miss Shawn Michaels match? If somebody has never seen any of his work, what what do you think is the match that best exemplifies Shawn Michaels and his work? It's funny. As far as, I mean, Shawn Michaels goes, I mean, I think matches, you think you think that ladder match, but I actually think two moments. I think two moments. One is like the rock star side of Shawn Michaels. Mm. 
which is just the image of him on the zip line and the way in. Mm. Um, that's the image that comes to mind. And then more than any match, I feel like the defining Shawn Michaels moment is the Janetti kick through the, through the glass. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I would recommend that more than any match actually. And maybe that's a cop out, but I think that that is his career defining moment. Yeah, I agree completely. Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about Bret Hart, Lindsay. Overall, I, I feel like I agree with Chris. I think their legacies are going to be really interesting because I think it's a really interesting switch how Brett came from the Hart family, which was part of the dungeon and, and the tradition of mm-hmm. teaching other wrestlers, whereas he hasn't really done that. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas now Sean is doing that. He's at NXT bringing up the new generation, the next mm-hmm. generation. Daniel Bryan. Yeah. So it's like yeah. I think that's really interesting that they've kind of switched in that way. I think to my mind, Brett situation like it's an iconic visual to me is Bret Hart coming out in the pink and black and the sunglasses the whole part of that is iconic whereas Sean is apart from the kick which is what I was gonna say is his defining moment I totally agree to me Sean is like a feeling and a a, an action and a flurry whereas you know like it's like everything is Sean whereas Bret is just so iconically distilled into coming down with the jacket with the pink and black with the sunglasses um match wise I could watch his match all day. I, um, Mr. Perfect Bret Hart was the first one I really remember, remember as okay. a kid, like watching it the first time I saw it. Not just because Mr. Perfect's got a semi afterwards after he loses sure the belt. did. Yeah, it's <laughs> super confusing to a 10-year-old. Like, what's that about? And my brother's like, don't look at it. And I was like, I don't know what it is. Is it gum? What no, is that? No, I'm looking at it. What's <laughs> happening? Um, any of the, the Brett Owen match is remarkable. Obviously, Brett Stone Cold is remarkable. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, I love him. I know he's a charisma vacuum and shouldn't be allowed a microphone, but I love him. <laughs> <laughs> Danielle, anything to add? See, I think for me, it was always like Brett very much felt like that older era of WWE, like that. And and, and this is not, I'm not the first person to, to say this, but he was very much like that, you know, I'm the hero, hometown hero, good guy. I go in, I'm a workhorse, I do my thing, uh, take my sunglasses and a Coke kid, blah, 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 blah. Um, and so I just didn't, I, I think it, that's just an era that I didn't connect with as much. Um, and I did. I mean, I was a fucking, I was a teenage dirtbag. I totally connected with, you know, uh, rock star coming down on a zip line, you know, suck it, all this other stuff. Like, I did connect with that. So for me, it also, I will always think of that time as like just a generational conflict, yep. you know, between like one style of wrestling while this like new thing is coming in. It's like, you know, Coke versus Surge. And at the end of the day, like, yeah, Coke is more classic and we'll always keep going back to Coke. But like every couple of years or so, we get a surge. All right. Uh, I have two matches for you before we peace out. One is uh, Brett versus Owen at WrestleMania 10. That was the opener for that show. A great match. Also, equal credit goes to Owen for that match. Owen had way more charisma. And I think I might like him better as a worker, too. Although I love Brett Hart. Uh, Shawn Michaels, 2002 SummerSlam versus Triple H, the unsanctioned match that was his return, I just thought was a really, like, just classic storytelling, Shawn fighting from underneath, uh, everything that, a a lot of what encapsulates how great he is, uh, you can find in that match. That does it for Tights and Fights. We are a podcast on the Maximum Fun Network. This week, your hosts were Daniel Radford and Lindsay Kelk, along with me, Hal Lublin, Chris Gethard, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, it was a pleasure. And I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Bret Hart versus Davey Boy at Wembley Stadium. Yes! 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 But isn't that Bret Hart in a nutshell? Because that's Davey Boy's moment. Yep. And that's Bret Hart. (laughs) Give Davey Boy that. And that's what I think of. Yep. It just 100%. so much about me. <laughs> uh, Chris, uh, what should people be watching? What do you want them to follow, watch, read, anything? Uh, anything you want to plug? Uh, I mean, I got my own podcast, Beautiful Anonymous, but if anything, I would just, if, if I wanted you to watch anything right now, I would say watch Ricochet if you're not watching NXT. That's what I would <laughs> yes. plug. There you go. Plug in Ricochet. Uh, I'm going to be at Pensacon next weekend. That is uh, February 22nd, 23rd, 24th. I think I'm going to be uh, talking with Diamond Dallas Page and moderating him. Hell yeah. Ooh. So uh, bring your cues. He'll have A's, and I will sit there and smile. Bring your yoga mat. Oh, wait. Yeah. I'm also touring the entire American Southeast. I oh, my goodness. <laughs> you should probably bring that up, You're Chris. in the territory. I should mention that. Yeah. ChrisGeth.com. You can get tickets for all those shows. Fantastic. Yeah. Go see Chris live. Chris is uh, uh, hilarious. 
and uh, and a wonderful person. He's I can't talk him up enough. Check him out, Danielle. Got a uh, Patreon, right? I do have a Patreon, but I've also got two other things. Um, also, uh, I just want to say, because I know people have been asking, yes, I am super psyched for Sonia Deville <laughs> and whoever her girlfriend is now to be on Toad Steve's. Just had to put that out there. That would have been what I put over. So two things. I was recently a guest on Rafe's Hall of Fame podcast, which is like a podcast and a visual podcast thing on College Humor Dropout. It's like their paid thing. But I believe you can also just get it on iTunes or Spotify, where the goal is you try to convince Rafe that your sports person should be put into his Hall of Fame. I chose Eddie Guerrero. So it's a lot of me talking about Eddie Guerrero and then also just kind of explaining wrestling. (laughs) So that is fun. And then also, speaking of my best friend, Chris Jericho, who's my best friend now, I did. (laughs) So jealous. I'm so mad and jealous. (laughs) Have you even mentioned my name around him? I try. Look, I'm working. I'm working at you guys. That's I'm working no. really hard. Um, mm-hmm. So That's we did do no. with Team Tiger Awesome. We mm-hmm. recorded this like, gosh, like almost a year ago, a commentary track for Sleepaway Camp Two. And so a lot of it is me talking about like uh, cracking jokes, but then also talking about like transphobia. And I, I, I taught Chris what the Bechtel test was. And a lot of people Aww. were like, you were really funny. And it's also really funny watching you get Chris Jericho woke, um, which he thinks is funny <laughs> as well. So it's, that's not me being an asshole. Um, but yeah, so go listen to one of the weirdest and coolest nights of my life. Okay, bye. Lindsay, books? Books, and also I was a guest on a podcast too. Yay! Uh, I was a guest on the latest episode of Women Wrestling Friends with friend of the pod, Sarah the Rebel Wolf. Hell yeah, Sarah. And Miss It Samara. Uh, it was super, super fun. We talked about Shane McMahon's jeans just a bunch, just a bunch. Uh, we talked about Rhonda's <laughs> terrible so makeup. We had a great so time. Much. We had a really nice time. So go check that out. It's on Apple Podcasts. And anywhere you get podcasts, it's Women Wrestle Friends. I'm on the 5th of February episode. Very cool. I forgot to mention this. I feel dumb that I didn't. I have my own podcasts. We got this with Mark and Hal, also on Maximum Fun. Good morning, Night Vale. I'm also a guest on Troubled Waters, the relaunch <laughs> of International Waters that is happening today. If you're listening to this episode on the day of release, it is available. And I'm also on Is This Adulting, a really great podcast about comedy and mental health. Yay! So uh, listen to all of those. They're all available right now for your ears. There you go. Our producer is Julian Burrell, hashtag plant gang, rise up. Senior producer at Maximum Fun is Laura Swisher. Mike Eagle is the voice behind our theme music. We're putting him over for that. Keep up with us all week long at facebook.com slash group slash tights fights and at tights fights on Twitter and on Instagram. If you love the show, remember to hit those five stars on Apple Podcasts. Share us with all your friends. Thank you so much to the Max Fun members who make this show possible with their recurring monthly contribution. We'll be back next week for even more, you guessed it, wrestling. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.